0: And so what makes it super powerful for optimizing is if you don't start with step one, which Ayurveda says, in order to be truly healthy, one must be situated in the self. The yogis were the original biohackers, like for real. How these ancient remedies came about were that these guys went out and tested them on themselves.
1: That everybody is Katie Silcox. She's a New York Times bestselling author of the book, Healthy, Happy, Sexy, Ayurveda wisdom for modern women. She's also the host of Spirit Sessions podcast and the founder of the Shakti School. In this episode, we explore Ayurveda. How does Ayurveda jive with biohacking? We talk about practical Ayurvedic herbs for digestion, inflammation, and way more. We also talk about, among other things, a practical approach about how you can begin to explore Ayurvedic principles for yourself. We talk about extractive medicine, we talk about Ayurveda as the science of life, and it's about connecting with the divine animism. We define what is divine animism. In this really interesting podcast, this meandering conversation that covers a wide swath of topics, we really are focusing on the intersection between optimal performance, personal health, optimal lifestyle, and... This is just a really refreshing conversation. It's almost as if Katie and I, even though she's in Oahu, are sitting in the room together. It's got that kind of vibe. It's a little bit different than than a lot of the podcasts that we do because I get to ask her the questions that I want that I think that you're going to get a lot of information out of. We talk about the importance of the divine feminine within performance and biohacking. And we also share a couple of Ayurvedic herbs that she really loves to keep in her kitchen that help her Increase her vitality, her digestion. So, in this episode, I know you're going to take out a ton of amazing nuggets of wisdom. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to say thank you to the X3 Bar for sponsoring this podcast. The X3 Bar is the most complete, the most effective piece of exercise equipment 10 minutes a day, six days a week. I've been using it for years. Many, many, many of you listeners have purchased. With the code OPP, if you go to x3bar.com and use the code OPP, you'll get $50 off. It can change your physique forever. It's easy and fun. It's convenient. So go check it out. I just want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, I hope that your year has started off with a bang. And I hope that you've got big dreams and big goals for yourself this year. Because one thing that I know... That I'm reinforced with every single day working with coaching clients is that we all can do better. We all can be a little bit more rested, a little bit more present, and a lot more optimal. So please enjoy this episode with Katie Silcox, who I really enjoy. I'm also gonna appear on her podcast shortly. So go ahead and check that out. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Katie Silcox. And we're here with Katie Silcox. She's the author of Healthy, Happy, Sexy, and she's the founder of the Shakti School. Katie, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast.
0: Thank you, Sean. Super happy to be here with you.
1: I want to start at the very beginning uh, because I think a lot of people know what the term Ayurveda is, and I've spoken on the podcast before about it and its value, but I want to hear from you why you think Ayurveda is such a powerful tool for optimal performance
0: hmm. i mean ayurveda many of the listeners will know it means the science of life but what what really it is is this capacity to actually connect with this divine animism so in ancient ayurveda all of life has life within it and this is like a radical paradigm shift for many of us that grew up in the western world and what's so unique about Ayurveda is that this, this understanding is rooted in the health being something where I am in what the Sanskrit word for it is svasta, which means situated in the self. And so, what makes it super powerful for optimizing is if you don't start with step one, which Ayurveda says, in order to be truly healthy, one must be situated in the self. And what does that mean? It's like, regular lady language right it means you got to know who you really are not your old traumas not your reactions not what your mom taught you or your school taught you or your culture taught you but like the 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 the, the sort of felt sense of this is the real me and when i'm situated in that that can actually lead to the unraveling of health states in all these other layers downriver. But if we forget that essential part, no matter what we do, no matter what pill we take, no matter what supplement we take, no matter what Ayurveda treatment we do, we are going to be working backwards. And so we start from that place and we move forward. I mean, I could go on and on, but I I think that's a good place to start.
1: Yeah the situation uh, such being situated in the self what does that what does that mean what does that mean to you what 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 would that look like for for the average person who's interested in in performing at a high level and just being the the healthiest that they can be
0: it's such a deep i mean i kind of threw it out there like well just get situated in the self and then yeah. everything else like okay so this is like why we have yoga and meditation. It's why we have religion. It's why we have a therapist. It's why we go out in the woods and run five miles to get out of our heads, right? Many of us, a lot of the time, don't feel like we're fully situated in ourselves. And so we have addictions, we have endless distractions, we have ways of changing our emotional state to to try to feel better. And so what I would just say for the listener out there, like, how do I get situated in myself it really is, I work in the tantric field of, of yoga. And so and so tantra says, find a moment in your life where you really did feel like you were the real, authentic you and go back to that memory and ignite it, feel it in your body as if it's already happening, find that feeling and that kind of tags that experience in the neurostructures structures of like, this is a taste of the real me and it might have been when you were watching your child be born or when you you know were watching a sunset or for me I'll, my real self shows up so easily when i'm teaching because i care so much about the people i'm talking to and so one of the ways i get situated in myself when i'm alone is to remember how easy it is for me to give that love to other people and to actually to have that feeling and internalize it. So it doesn't have to be this big thing where I have to spend six hours meditating, although the reason Buddha did that, sat and the Bodhi tree until he got enlightened was that attempt to continue to layer down deeper and deeper and deeper into the true self and the true self doesn't have to optimize. It doesn't need new year's resolutions. It needs none of these things. Mm. It's just, it's the, it's the hub of the wheel with all the spokes of, of everything else we experience, like thought, emotion, imagery, um, and, and all of those things. So as a practical way, you know what it feels like when you're in your real self because it is not judgmental. It is kind, it's compassion, it's love, it's present. It, you know, it has all of these qualities that the world's mystical and religious traditions have done a pretty good job at explaining. But um, many of us aren't there a lot of the time.
1: That's really well said. I love that tool that everybody can now do to take a moment to think about an instance when you're in your life where you were the most authentic version of yourself, and feel it and picture it, and then bring that forth into the present moment. I think that's it's both profound and also highly practical, right?
0: Look, I really believe in the Einsteinian way of like, if you can't explain it simply, you don't get it yourself like ancient mysticism, especially when you get into the depths of Tibetan Tantra or Ayurveda, man, it's super complicated. And that's why I created the Shakti School, our, our, our women's school, and I wrote the book, Healthy, Happy, Sexy, as I was like, I want to make this super digestible. If if we can't make it digestible, it's not going to be able to be consumed, and therefore the nutrition will not be available. And so, and, and I also am a big fan of like the Thich Nhat Hanhs of the world, where true awakening and enlightenment and tapping into the real self—it's dead simple.
1: Hmm. <laughs> you know,
0: we are overcomplicating it.
1: The profound perspective of Ayurveda and these, you know, these ancient traditions. I think for for some folks, it can be tricky to try to pull that into the modern world, right? These these ideas were not birthed during smartphones or, you know, Doritos, and so it's tough to like. I think for people to think, well, how is that still useful information for me now? Like, I have I have bills to pay. I can't all I can't cook every single one of my you know meals with organic food and. I'm working hard to make ends meet. So I can't get the sleep that uh, that my body requires. It's just, that's just the reality of it. So how do you, how do you think about that for, for folks and men and, and especially women who are, tr- who are attempting to, to benefit from that wisdom and that information now?
0: Well, first of all, I call myself an Ayurveda rebel, and I'm not a fan of Ayurveda guilt, which is uh-huh. rampant, right? Cause it is such a complex system. You know, what we can do is we can go back to the ancient words of the Charaka Samhita, one of these original texts of Ayurveda. And it says that the Ayurveda must be adapted to the time and the place and the people in which it's being presented. That's, that's how wise these beings were. They were able to project themselves into the future and to know, look when Westerners and moderners in the modern world with their iPhones, and you know, they are they are going to need the template not the rules Hmm. the template of ayurveda works because it's the template of life ayurveda is the root mother medicine of chinese medicine it some argue it's the root mother medicine of western medicine so we have these deep templates that explain to us Basically, physics and chemistry and biology, and so we can go to those original templates to get the good understanding of the pattern and then extrapolate it and apply it to the craziness of the modern world. Um, I think people get really caught up in Ayurvedic practitioners and even Ayurveda schools get really caught up in those rules that they miss the original intention. And so I always tell my students a Work first from the rule of compassion. If you were a, an Ayurveda mama living 2000 years ago, do you think that those women in India, if you gave them a gift of a Vitamix, wouldn't use it? You're crazy. They would be like, oh my God, we don't have to grind this so hard, right? It's so, I think what we can't forget is that we actually are those people we are them whether you believe in reincarnation or just it's just our ancestry and so to really apply the principles but at the same time my god man just like being so self-compassionate like we are living a bizarre time you know many of us like you said working working in an inordinate amount of of hours not sleeping all of these things are are, are parts of our, a greater culture than the individual herself so mm-hmm. first rule do your best and throw the rule book out. What what helps you helps, you know, let me say one more thing about that. I always say, if you can just share with people that look, eating, ice, eating salad and drinking ice water might not be a great idea if it's winter and you're of a long lanky constitution and you're constipated and anxious. Like mm. if we can just teach these basic principles of, look, I do have to work 10 hours today and only slept six hours last night, I'm anxious. Well, let's understand what are the qualities of anxiety, according to Ayurvedic medicine, dry, light, mobile, and bring in a little warm soup, even if you bought it at the gas station or <laughs> a, hot, a hot tea, even if you bought it at the gas station. You know what I mean? Like these are ways of mitigating the deleterious effects of our imbalances that are just so, once you tell people these basic rules, it's like you put on these new goggles to see the world through.
1: That's really cool. I like that. I, I like that approach because it, it becomes accessible for people. I mean, even that just that just that plain example there of if you are a endomorph, long and lean, and it's the winter time and you're already cold, have something warm and that will, you know, <laughs> that, like, I mean, of course, right?
0: John, you don't know how many like young sorority girls I've met who are like, oh my God, I'm so fat and I'm eating salads and I'm drinking ice water and I can't go to the bathroom. And I'm like, and they think they're a but They think they're these big, I'm like, dude, you're this long, lanky little deer. I want to feed you roast stew. Stop eating this yoga girl diet of wheatgrass shots. And you know what I'm saying? And then they're like, oh my God. And then lo and behold, they can eliminate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you can eliminate, you don't feel fat.
1: <laughs> yeah, right on. You you used a word that that was sort of I think that was really important. I think it, I think you said we're talking about compassion earlier about how coming from that place, starting from that place to have that greater awareness, does it does it start with the self? Do you start with compassion for for yourself in the moment and then does it does it trickle out from there?
0: so there are as as many paths to the self to god to love whatever you want to call this as there are as there are beings you know and as a i've as a student of these disciplines for over 20 years i can tell you there there's many ways in so there are techniques where you go to self-compassion first and we could argue that's really really wise right but what if what if you're in such a rough state that you can't find self-compassion right and so maybe we want to work the opposite direction can you remember a time this helps me a lot can you remember that moment? I'm thinking about my nephew, baby Jack. He's not a baby anymore, but he's five years old. And I, if I just think about how much I freaking love that kid, you have kids, you get it. Like I just talking about it, both of us get a little feeling inside of like, I, I love him more than myself, hmm. maybe, right? And 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 now that I'm with that energy, I go, wow, that's how much I love him. That's compassion, that's love. Could I, Could I actually now bring that into me? And what that's doing is it's training us to be able to do what we have many of us haven't been taught, which is to do that self compassion, I think it's important to say that because in the world you and I are in it's it's very fashionable just love yourself self care. That's really hard if you haven't had wise attachment from your parents or you've ha- undergone some kind of trauma and but, but yes, there are many ways into compassion, but it, it, it's very important.
1: Yeah, I, li- I like I like that, and and I think everyone listening now is is understanding that your approach is very flexible, right? It's it's contextual. It it doesn't it's not dogmatic. It's 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 got wisdom packed in, but it allows for for fluctuation. And I think that 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 level of flexibility is really important when people are looking for tools, frameworks, and ideas that will help them continue to make progress in their life. I, I really like that what does optimal performance mean to you Hmm.
0: well where i'm feeling called to move with you is this realm of the masculine and the feminine when it comes to performance because what you just described sean was like a gift to me you just described two seconds ago the feminine the feminine is flexible it is it's like water it's like you know it's that classic like shaolin monk like don't don't you know no reactivity you're just constantly and that's where your power comes from is actually the feminine and men have it and women have it and we our whole school is about this divine feminine ayurveda because it's so important and it's lacked in our approach to optimal performance right and so and we want to love and glorify the masculine too which is like here's the way it's going to be we're going to put these things into this box you have know, to thinking out like all the amazing dudes out there doing the biohacking stuff where it's like and i love it and i'm a part of that community but it's like okay we did this measurement and now you're going to eat these macros and take this supplement or you know eat drink this amount of butter in your tea in the morning and like here's what nice. here's the science science around it you know and like I hope you hear how much I I'm a part of that. And I have such a strong masculine too, right? But what the teachings say, if, if you actually want optimal performance, the yin and yang symbol should be actually tattooed on our arms, even hmm. though that would be really typical, right? <laughs> it, it, it's, if we, but we all have the tendency to swing in one of those two directions where it's too watery. And I, and I need to have that hard data and that capacity to kind of formalize, or I'm super rigid. And so the extremes are rigidity and chaos. Hmm. And so optimal performance is when we can notice when we're tending to move into chaos, or when we're tending to move into rigidity, whether it be you know how we approach working out how we approach making love our relationships how we approach what we put in our mouth we've got to find that optimal place that in my experience is is greatly um we're we're able to access it when we know how to access those states inside of ourselves
1: beautifully said beautifully said you're you're a really excellent example. You know, you shared with me before we turned the mics on that you went to um, the uh, bulletproof conference. Um, maybe it's called something else, but
0: yeah, I think it's called like biohacking's. Oh, so yeah, I can. Yeah. Remember. Um, and,
1: and to me, it makes sense for you know, yogic, meditative, Ayurvedic, ancient practices to be in balance with, you know, heart rate monitors and nano Vs and cutting edge technology. But I think, I think for a lot of people, they kind of, they, they struggle with making that connection because meditating under a Bodhi tree um, may not jive with uh, stem cell therapy, you know? So I would love to hear how you think about these, these schools of thought working in tandem together.
0: I love this question. You just like put your finger on on like the heart of what I what I feel and that is Ayurveda is the original biohack.
1: The yogis <laughs> nice.
0: the, the yogis were the original biohackers like for real. Like how these ancient remedies came about were that these guys went out and tested them on themselves. I mean, mm. hello what what these biohacker guys are doing, you know. And so Ayurveda is the original biohack and I I really, you know, and I think what is missing from the Ayurveda or wellness community or yoga community or whatever Chinese medicine community, what's missing from that is the very thing that I think things like the scientific community and the allopathic medical community and even biohacking community offer it and vice versa. I think we in the biohacking community need this greater overarching understanding of the rhythms and patterns of the interconnectivity of all of life and the relationality of all of life. That's again, the feminine, otherwise we can get very caught in the individuality of it all and lose sight of the greater operational force within the whole body. I, you know, I I was lucky enough to meet Dr. Harry, the stem cell guru a few weeks ago, and what an incredible soul, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm super curious, right? But do, do we know how this affects the entire body, right? And so that's the question I'm always wondering myself, like, okay, let's take all of this supplementation, but do we, do we understand it's like you and I were talking before we got on the call about the terrain versus the germ. I still feel like we're doing a little bit of what the ancients call extractive medicine. There's medicine that's,
1: mm-hmm. we're, we're
0: looking, we're looking to extract what's wrong. We're looking to take an extraction from a plant and put it inside a body so it will extract something else, right? Um, this is this is sort of a, 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 u- a very useful thing. So it's neither good nor bad. But if we don't have the larger field of the terrain of what's going on in this person's life, mm. then we're kind of missing
1: out. When you say extractive medicine, and, and, and somehow I think maybe I've not heard that term before, but immediately it resonates with me because if you've got skin issues and you don't know where to start and you haven't changed your diet, you know, starting with a, with a food allergy elimination diet and simplifying the foods that you're eating is a really good place to start. So if you mm-hmm. stop, if you cut out these, a bunch of foods and you simplify your diet, then you're going to learn something from that extraction. Does, does does this extractive medicine also allude to, you know, abstaining from certain practices or removing things from the diet or removing postures? Like, is that is am I right that that's sort of the same idea?
0: Yeah, it, I mean, when I'm referring to extractive medicine, I was more speaking to the way in which we extract from nature to hmm. put in inside of us, thinking that that extraction is gonna solve the problem. Whereas what you're speaking to, it's a, it's a different form, but it, the word still works perfectly. And it speaks to another important paradigm within tantric medicine, which is V yoga versus Sam yoga. And when I say yoga, I'm not referring to yoga poses. I'm referring to the meaning of that means connected to the truest form of who you are. The technologies that will enable me to connect to the truest form of who I am on the health level for your listeners, If the, i.e. The most optimal functioning of this natural body, right? If I want to connect to that yoga, right? we're using different language, I'm going to do V on it. V is a, it's like a sword. It's what it means is to take away. <laughs> Some no, so Yay. Right. And so that would be. Diet, el- elimination diets <laughs> you know getting off of your iPhone stop hanging out with those friends that really aren't good examples for you know on and on what are we taking away. On a mental psychological level limiting beliefs not identifying with them, you know and on and on and on, we could go through all the layers of how you do extractive medicine. On but but here's the feminine that's sometimes missing from some of our communities Sam yoga is. Okay, you've done all this extraction medicine. What do you want to unify with and connect to? And you get to decide that, right? So that might be, I'm going to go to the gym and like do some positive self-affirmations about how strong I am. I'm going to actually put blueberries into my body and shatavari root because I want to have blueberry and shatavari root consciousness. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. the idea of taking an herb In Ayurveda, it's not, oh, load me up with vitamin D because I read that that was good, although we should all be doing that. It's, I actually want to sit outside in the sun, not because it's going to make me, you know, prevent me from getting COVID. I'm sitting outside in the sun because I am taking in the information of the sun and surrendering myself to become the sun. And the ancient teachings talk about this. They named the root turmeric. She, who I'm going to say she, but he she or he who shines like a thousand suns Hmm. so you're taking on the consciousness of the herb so i always tell my students do you want you know mcdonald's consciousness or do you want (laughs) grass-fed beef consciousness like i love steak you know i want to have because i need it i need that strength of a bull it wasn't a part of my constitution when i was born
1: Hmm. wow I love that. What that reminds me of, the you know, taking in these the constitution or the features of she who shines like a thousand suns in this bright yellow turmeric, taking right. on that consciousness, making that a part of your body because you actually are what you eat, and we know that. What's what I'm reminded of is the the ayahuasca uh, school of thought in which there are master plants. And uh, these master plants that are found in the jungles in, in the Amazon are used as uh, prescriptives by a curandero to, you know, using ajo sacha to clean out and detoxify or using piñon blanco to elevate energy um, sung through a shaman in a, in a, in a ceremony. And, and the parallels are, are obvious, like we we have all these plants, we have these opportunities to take in and learn and, and integrate with, with these nutrients because we need them so that we could be our best. And um, I don't think, I don't think many people think about food like that. I don't think that they think about taking on the blueberry consciousness or taking on the, uh, the turmeric consciousness. Well, I, I'd love for you to go a little bit deeper there, because I think it's a pretty important idea for for people to wrap their brain around. Like, like for instance, if you could walk us through what you put in your smoothie and why <laughs> this morning, I would love to hear that.
0: Sure. Um, well, as many of us, we're not, I'm not always living the teachings perfectly, but I one of my teachers, Dr. Robert Swoboda, said the blueberry consciousness. And I'm, and I think he may have even said blackberry consciousness. So when you, I live, I'm from the mountains of Virginia, even though I live in Oahu part of the year. And when you're in the mountains of Virginia, it's covered in blackberry. And who eats the blackberry? The bears, right? And so the blackberry has developed a consciousness, we could say, in order to relate to the blackberry. So when you eat it, uh, to relate to the bear. So when you eat blue blackberry, you're not only Eating that, you're interfacing with the bear, mm. right? And so we could. Tikkun Han speaks of this so eloquently that every single flower has the essence of the entire universe in it. <laughs> um, there are certain so, and and what matter is is packets of information. So why do we prioritize if everything's God and everything's vibrating consciousness, why can't I just eat a Big Mac tonight? Well, if I was highly enlightened enough, maybe I could, but I'm not. And so the packets of information inside of a Big Mac have been degraded down to their, their, more, their dense form, but they're also a perverted form. So when you take in BlackBerry, especially if it's organic, et cetera, fresh, high quality, local, it's it's not good or bad. It's just that the packets of information are closer to the original source. Mm -hmm. So when I take it in, that BlackBerry becomes me and then my thoughts and emotions are going to be more aligned with those packets of information that are closer to the source, which is sun and all the elements, et cetera. my goal is to get as close to those elemental capacities as possible. Now, it's not always possible. And let me add one more thing why we need compassion, compassion, compassion. The ancient teachings also say it is better to eat. ai am going to use my version, a Big Mac hamburger with love in your heart than to eat the perfect organic smoothie that you asked me about and be a bitch. So, <laughs> but I did have blueberries frozen blueberries, half an avocado, greens and some really really high quality um it, the Kion actually Ben Greenfield's protein powder. But I'm I'm in a moment where I'm attempting to build. You know, I want to get strong because I was a yogi on 20 years of doing yoga. I'm having to kind of course correct. And so, hmm. But that's that's me and each individual is going to have a different need.
1: Hmm. Oh, that's cool. I like that. When you have a new student or when you meet a perfect stranger who, you know, catches your eye walking on the beach and they come up to you and say, you know, you're so healthy and vibrant, you know, I, I've got so much work I want to do. Where do, where do, especially women, let's just, let's just stick with women. Where do women start? Where? what's what's where do you find yourself sort of consistent advice or suggestions or even questions that to ask them to to begin them on their journey
0: Mm. well i mean i'm not trying to promote our course is i created a whole year-long program because the answer to that question is complicated yeah you know it's like well i i tell them hey you should do this thing where you dedicate you know some of your life because we we need life training schools right we all got our education we didn't learn how to just be alive and be relational and especially with our food and the earth right but if i was just so now let me let me think of it like if i just met somebody outside and they were my neighbor and they're like what do you do and i study ayurveda and oh i'm interested what can i do mm-hmm. The first thing that I would say that really allows people's brains to be kind of blown open wide is to understand the concept of the five elements and the way that relates to this famous Ayurvedic doshas. What that does is it makes people go batshit crazy <laughs> with, with confusion and interest because they are like, well, I took this test or I read your book and took the test and I, I just have no idea what I am. And you know, and it, and I think it's a good sign when we open up a new uh, way of seeing reality. We often have more questions than answers. But many people, you know, not everyone will will, will really identify with one of these doshas, and when we can understand our at. If not our original nature, which we we were all born with this original dosha, but over time that gets um, shifted if we can at least understand the nature of our imbalances. Then we can begin to dial those back so that the essence of who we actually are can be revealed, let me give a really clear example of that we've all known a, a person that perhaps seems to be overweight they lose that weight. And what you find underneath is someone with a very thin bone structure
1: hmm.
0: and a very, and I'm making this person up, but I've seen it over and over and over again, especially with women, but also with men. When we see someone who's overweight, we may be tempted to say, oh, wow, you have a lot of that earth and water element, that kapha, that more, you know, dense body type, because we're looking at them with the outside eyes. Once that, are and and yes, they do have an excess of that earth and water element. Once that earth and water element gets treated or or, or or dealt with in whatever way, and there's a lot of ways we deal with that, we see underneath this whole different dosha, this whole different person that was their original nature when they were born. And so many people who are overweight, and we can think about the obesity op- epidemic in our country in the US, They're deeply sensitive creatures who have, like myself, these really fine bone structures. On an emotional level, they tend to be very empathic and sensitive. What do we do? We put on earth and water, aka a barrier, because of our sensitivity. So one would think, oh, well, I just got to get rid of the weight. No, we have to address the underlying nervous system. Once the nervous system becomes soothed, now that weight can just melt away because we feel safe again. You know, and so I know this is not the answer to your question. It's just that Ayurveda is super complex because we are alive and life is complex. Yeah. But read my book and you'll get the very easy basics that I'm doing a terrible <laughs> job at this. To say no, now. that's great.
1: I haven't thought I hadn't thought about it in that sense that that you know putting on the extra weight as, as a protective mechanism. I mean, now that you say it, it does make total sense that the sort of external expression of extra weight, you know, excess fat on the body <clears throat> was a way to protect a, a tender heart, you know, a sensitive soul, a, you know, an, uh, an empathetic person. Um, but it does, it does make tons of sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, it's a stereo—not a stereotype, but a generalization. But I've seen that as a really common thread.
1: Hmm. What are your What are some of your favorite herbs and adaptogens?
0: You know, I'm really again like I'm an Ayurveda rebel. I'm from Virginia. I I like to use what I can that's around here and that my ancestors had. And so I'm not a big Ayurvedic herb taker. I know people are probably surprised at that. I mean, I do have a short list of favorites that I go through with my my students because I think they're really good to have on hand. Things like ashwagandha and shatavari are kind of the king and queen of the Ayurvedic adaptogens the word ashwagandha means he who has a strength of a horse hmm. and the word shatavari is she who can handle a thousand husbands or a hundred husbands you know <laughs> so there's there's sort of these classic sex tonics not intercourse but like sexual vitality sexual energy um so i i love those and and use those from time to time but you know when i'm really healthy i don't need them you know yeah. obviously um turmeric is a great one. Um, I am a huge fan of the Ayurvedic spice pharmacopoeia. So a very common Ayurvedic spice mix that I tell people to use. It's great for every single body type. Uh, Works for almost every type of digestion and they're carminative. So they help boost and stimulate digestion is fennel, cumin, and coriander. You just mix those powders up together in equal parts. Take a fourth to a half teaspoon or even sometimes I'll do a teaspoon with a warm water before meals and that acts as a prebiotic and a digestive. Um, So that's a great one. Another one that I'm a huge fan of, especially for people who have inflammation, which is a huge issue in our world, combined with gut issues is licorice licorice mm. is a demulcent meaning it keep, meaning it keeps things really wet but it's also an anti-inflammatory it's also a carminative or a digestive it has incredible effects for women and our uh, urinary tract system Uh, you know, you just want to be a little careful if you have um, blood pressure issues, but licorice is another big, big fan favorite. I mean, I could go on and on, but I I love supplements. I take vitamin D, you know, I'm always curious what all the biohacker people are doing. And, you know, I I play around with a lot of things from every pharmacopoeia.
1: That's a good rundown. You know, if if you're listening now, just pause, rewind, go back and listen to those. And then do your own research, you know, look, look up, find your dosha quiz, begin to begin that process of discovery. It's such an important part of, in, in my mind, it's such an important part of, of health optimization is to be just, just begin being curious to, to know what's going on for you. Uh, what do you crave? um, uh, What, what is your, what's your dosha? What's your body type? When I do intake with coaching clients, I have them take a whole bunch of quizzes Uh, Doshas, uh, Chronotype. So, what's your sleep type? Uh, Myers Briggs, the Braverman assessment to look at neurotransmitters to get a great, you know, a really good picture of, you know, people's tendencies. But I'm also struck by the fact that you listen to a lot of podcasts, you host podcasts. You know, we as podcasters are always consuming content and learning and growing and stuff like that and and it's harder to actually activate and start doing some of these things experimenting with some of these things can you speak a little bit about about that process of experiencing and testing and actually like engaging with with your own sort of health journey
0: yeah well i think so many of us are drawn to these practices and uh wanting to optimize ourselves cuz we haven't felt that way and We are also under the onslaught of an incredible amount of information. And it's so fun, especially those of us that have that type of brain, like I am ravenous. I love learning all, you know, like you could just get a PhD just listening to podcasts for a couple of years. But the the shadow side of that beauty is that we're overloaded and it's like, you know, they've done these studies where when we, we suffer from decision fatigue. And so the current American brain has, I think the statistic is um, six, excuse me, five seconds of uh, attention span. And to give you some perspective, a goldfish has six seconds. And so we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're behind the goldfish. And so that's a long way of saying, Ayurveda says when the outer world or the, or the illness issue, whatever you're going through is complicated. And my God, if we have ever been in a complicated reality, it is 2022, yeah. right, coming up. When the outer reality or your inner body's state is is complicated, let the remedies be simple. Hmm. So because you and I live in complexity, and I love and I'm addicted to complexity, let's let the remedies be simple. So for me, I have a sticky note on my on my, um on my mirror, and it says two things that I'm going to start playing with. Because all the other habits, I scrape my tongue every day. I do some sort of exercise every day. I do some sort of way of connecting to the God of my heart every day. I do some type of X, Y, and Z every day. That's already integrated into my routine. Some of your listeners may be like, I don't do any of those. Okay. Mm -hmm. Choose two. Yeah. And, and so because those are already integrated, I can play around with, I limit it for me, two new things. Some of you might do one or three, but the point is it's limited. And so I've got those on there. And if I can do those for 40 days, which is how long it takes to create new neural structures, they've become a part of the routine. Now I can add something else. Now do I get excited about ice baths and then think about Ayurveda being like, that's maybe not good for everyone all the time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? but do I do it anyway? Yeah. I'm a total rebel. Like let's play around. But ideally, um, you know, in our school, our women are learning thousands of new techniques and, and new philosophies and new approaches. This is where that inner instrument of your intuition is the most important thing. Yes, everybody's doing breastwork and ice baths right now. Yes, that's super popular to do ayahuasca and X, Y, and Z right now. Cool. Nothing bad wrong about it. But remember the central principle of Ayurvedic medicine is each medicine is individual for the individual. Ayahuasca in the hands of someone who's deeply traumatized and overwhelmed may take them over the edge, right? Ice baths can take people over the edge. And so that that's why we typically would have a guide or a mentor teacher helper that would have wisdom, you know, but unfortunately there's re- those are rare. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we, all, we're all having to kind of be our own inner guide and cultivating intuition around what, what we need to be doing is super
1: important. Yeah, I agree. However, however you can develop your intuition, better discernment, better judgment, do it. Start start now. If that's meditation, if that's stretching, if it's going for a walk, if it's grounding down in nature, do whatever you've got to do to to calibrate your awareness and then the world's a little less scary because you're kind of switched on. You're you're paying attention, you're watching how your body responds to things. I know for a fact, and I know you and I experienced this too, and helping people and teaching people, you know, so many folks are scared. you know there's there's so much fear that they're experiencing now. What, what's been working for for you, for your students, for the people that you inspire to help work through that state of fear that, that m- most folks are experiencing right now?
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's a big thing on my heart and my mind right now. And I feel it, you know, and so I I don't in any way take myself out of this equation. I'm, I'm feeling it too and working through it and luckily have a therapist on hand, but it's like, yes, you can text me, you know, and so I'm lucky and that's a privilege and not everyone has that. But to know right now that we are not alone in the fear is the single most important thing that that. Because with our world and when we are isolated or when we are on our devices, it may feel like we're the only one. So many beings on the planet are experiencing that. And just that recognition sends out a cord of connection from my heart to yours throughout all that, that we're we're not alone. And now the fear starts to diminish. The other thing is we're relational beings. We were wired. Our neurostructures were wired in relationship to other people. This idea that we can go sit alone in a cave and find perfection is I would say an old idea that had a different goal. My goal is not to enter into uh, altered states of consciousness where I don't need anyone or anything. My goal is to be in the world. We're householders. We want to have sex. We want to have kids. We want to have jobs. We want to have fun, right? Like that's probably 99.9 or 100% of your listeners, right? So our brains need a reliable, authentic, relational exchange. And what ameliorates fear quicker than any other thing is to co-regulate our nervous system. We have to learn how to do it on our own. That's a given. That's why we meditate and pray and connect to whatever you connect to. But co-regulation is the quickest way to feel fear diminish if you can be around someone or something that's not in fear your system can attune to that and will attune to that naturally that might be a an older you know a parent or a therapist or a loved one or a friend but what if our parents are crazier than we are then that's <laughs> that's called intergener we're all in an intergenerational wounding right now i there's a way in which the many of us like you me and you are similar ages i think and we're actually teaching our parents this stuff right, yeah. and so we have we have this lack of eldership, but if you can be around elders. who aren't afraid and who hold wisdom, please do that I know that's a rare commodity, so what else, we can be with pets, we can be with nature nature is the master co regulator. Nature is not in fear, even when a freaking bunny is getting eaten by a tiger there's a, there's, a, there's a, an appropriateness to the fear. And when it's over, it's gone. Right. Yeah. So nature's our teacher. Right. And so I have to literally be like, put your phone down, go outside, get your feet on the ground. Look at, look at the ocean. You know, those are all ways of co-regulating. And, and I mean, we could do a whole podcast has how to co-regulate with somebody. Yeah, if you yeah. have a, a husband or a wife, you guys can learn. We don't always co-regulate with our husbands and wives, despite what we, you know, we think we're with someone, but are we really co-regulating in our right brain or are we in that left brain logical side that can't co-regulate? It's, it's not, that's not its job. Um, the other thing I really do want to mention too, that is the most important thing is. Your own self regulation isn't a singular experience. There's a reason why, throughout time immemorial, including yoga, even though yoga is a basically the Yoga Sutras is a handbook for biohacking. (laughs) All these things you could do, all these things you could chant all these mantras, you could do all these poses, you could do all these mudras, you could do all this breath work. It's like that's biohacking, right? At the end of the Yoga Sutras, this is going to make me cry. At the end of the yoga sutras which is a big ass book full of a lot of dense techniques it says you can do all that or you can just surrender your heart to god (laughs) and it doesn't have to be jesus it doesn't have to be buddha it can it's the god of your heart in other Mm. words the the awareness that we're not alone Mm. i'm here you're there that's god man i'm never alone Mm. and that Either you believe there's an underlying intelligence that's full of what the ancient teachings say, beauty and unending waves of bliss. You either believe that there's a benign reality that is holding every cell in your body together. You either believe what the ancients have told us, that love is the thing that is binding it all together, or you don't. And I do. And my God, I'm such a powerful little creature with such a massive ego that I just forget it every five minutes. And so I've (laughs) been lucky enough to become a teacher because I just need to be reminded constantly.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. The, the, the idea of relationship as a, as a fundamental tool, as a, as a, as an opportunity to work through your stuff right and to relation to yourself relation to the tree in your front yard relation to your home relation to your brothers and sisters um yeah that's that's how we learn that's how that's how we do our our spiritual work that's how we sort through hard times that's how we help understand ourselves is by is through relationship and. I think it's become harder and harder to do in the last couple of years, not only because of the, you know, um, suggestions by health leadership to stay away from each other and to not go, not go to Christmas and, uh, and so forth, you know, it, it becomes more challenging, but you're right. Like it's essential for us. That's how we, that's how we, uh, we're part we're, we're, we're parts of the whole and we need to have that connection because then. What fun is it if you can't make that make that connection with people? What are you working on now?
0: Hmm. Well, um, there's a little bit of a drill that's decided that wants to be a part of our reality. <laughs> um, so let me know if we need to do anything about that. But I, you know, I'm obsessed right now with um, understanding the nervous system and the proprioceptive capacity of the body, and understanding how these internal nineteen different proprioceptive senses actually help us digest experience so that that i'm, and I'm all really interested in trauma and the nervous system i'm super interested in attachment theory and the way our early attachment bonds completely formulate our experience of reality you know, I'm, I'm into lots of things that are completely unrelated to yoga and Ayurveda but actually are deeply those things and I, I feel much like yourself a part of a community of people who are retranslating these things and rediscovering these ancient truths through what we would call modern science or psychotherapy or somatic somatic experiences of therapy um, so that that's really where my heart is and and I'm doing it all selfishly this is the stuff that I need because you know <laughs> I, I did tw- I was 20 years in the yoga industry and I'll tell you what yoga and meditation if you've never done them they're they're magic you know I can see people you know a friend of mine's like this big football player in his 50s who found yoga five years ago and he's like still in the honeymoon phase like oh like everything solved and I'm like that's we call that the honeymoon phase you know yoga and meditation did not solve all of my problems hmm. I had to actually enter into the relational realm. You know, yoga and meditation are solo disciplines. The relational realm, wow. Mm-hmm. that That's really where a lot of the juice is. And so I, I, I'm i super interested in that because it's not been really where, where my studies have been. And yet my longing is to be free and to be optimal. Right? Mm-hmm. So what's getting in the way of my optimization, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is a little bit of a different format for, just to share this with you, this, our conversation, the flow of it is, uh, is, is a little break from the norm of what people are used to, um, because I just wanted to just sit down and vibe and, and, and get some of your insights and let this conversation sort of flow really freely. So thank you for being willing to do that with me. I'm very grateful for that. Um, so if people are listening and they're like, wow, I like, I like the way she speaks i like the way that she th- thinks about these things um tell us a little bit about what your what your goal is and what you talk about on your on your podcasts
0: yeah so we actually only have one podcast it, it it's formerly known as the geese spot now it's called spirit sessions i changed the name because it's such a great name the Gee spot and, and i it will always be the Gee spot to me but we wanted to move a little broader and and we have a a a school called uh, the shakti school and there we we really educate long long form education on the podcast, I talk about sex, I talk about spirituality, I talk about Ayurveda, I talk about really whatever I want. I just did a recent episode called Hotels for the Highly Sensitive, <laughs> you know, and so it's, it's really like my own journey and what's helping and what's healing and um, so they can find, they can find me at the Spirit Sessions podcast or the Shakti School.com.
1: Cool. Cool. Yeah, I guess I guess that was a, the tease that the other the other podcast is coming coming soon, right?
0: <laughs> I only have one plant. One the, plant.
1: The, the, the dude talking to the dudes. The dude ah, talking to dudes. No, oh,
0: no, no. That's gonna be a series we're doing for the spirit oh, Yeah. Oh, so cool. Exactly, and we're gonna have you on. It's gonna be Katie talks with dudes because Katie we talks have with a. Dudes. We have a women's school as of right now, it's it's I think the world's only women only online Ayurveda school and I get mm. so much feedback when I hang out with men, they're like, dude, we need this too. Mm. And we have thoughts and feelings about all these things you're talking about. And so one of my goals is to bring awesome men who have different perspectives onto the show, because I I, I mean, of course, we're all masculine and feminine, but to be able to actually have a man and a woman really talking about these things, it's a different dynamic. And so, of course, creativity. Mm -hmm. Like, so when the, whether and you know, we're not talking about body parts, but when the masculine and feminine come together, no matter what bodies they're riding around in, freaking magic gets created. Mm And, and so, yes, we're going to be talking with lots of guys as well. And and who knows, maybe one day have men as a part of, of, of our platform. We'll see.
1: Cool. Very cool. As I, as we take the episode home, I've got a fill in the blank question that I ask every guest, which throws people off purposefully. Awesome. People, <laughs> yeah. um, but again, before, before I dive into that, where can people, uh, where can people find you? Where can they so um, follow you on social
0: They can find us at theshaktischool.com. We're also Silcox underscore the Shakti School on Instagram, Facebook, Silcox. Uh, That's where they can find me. Awesome. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah. So this is, like I said, a fill in the blank question. This can be based on anything and everything. It doesn't have to be specific to Ayurveda, just whatever you feel called to share. And you can elaborate as much or as little as you wish, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing.
0: Oh, you know me at this point a little bit. It's going to be pretty, pretty lovey-dovey. I think everyone would benefit from knowing that no matter what happens, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Even if the worst happens, it's still all going to be okay.
1: Hmm. I needed to hear that today. (laughs) I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) I was like, literally, I was like, translation of the question. What does Katie Solkheim deeply need to hear?
1: That's what that's what Sean McCormick needed to hear today, too. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. that really does. That really just sends a shiver up my spine. Thank you so much for that. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> thank you for uh, indulging me. We met just recently through an introduction. Um, I, I looked at your stuff for half a second and thought, yeah, I just want to just sit down and chat with her and have a, have an open conversation. So thank you for being willing to do that with me. And thank you for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast.
0: It's been, I think my favorite podcast I've been on. This has been amazing. Thank you, Sean, a delight.